White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 772. This is Sonny Smith, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. The brawny effect was that brawny got to watch as Auburn went off on USC. All this and a lot more is coming up next. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. From the palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois in Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Very well, except I'm not in Eastern Virginia. You're not. You're in East <laughs> Alabama. I'm in East Central Alabama, and uh, it's palatial here as well, and I'm excited to be on the podcast tonight. You are in the loveliest village on the plain. I am. Is it singular plain or plural plains, by the way? Plains. Pl- plural. Okay. That works. So how are things in the loveliest village? Uh, things are good. That's something to say. Basketball up, recruiting up. Yeah, is good. Vibes and, are good in the Loveless Village. Yeah, you're right. I there guess the probably other. also really good if you're like a land developer too. But <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you're down there in the epicenter of it all of what's happening. Well, that's really cool. That's fun. Um, we're uh, we have a number of things to talk about tonight. We've got some basketball actual game action to cover. We've got some recruiting stuff going on, which is pretty fun over the last few days. We've got signing day coming up almost immediately. In fact, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, as most people tend to, uh, I believe it's Wednesday, right? It is. Ah, Wednesday well. the 20th. Brace yourself. Yeah. And not everybody's going to sign. Um I That's think right. there's some that are going to hold over a little bit longer, but this December period has pretty much become the more or less the main signing day. Yes. Yeah. Well, before we get into all that, it's the uh, Auburn Fun Meter, John. Uh, this is our weekly look at how much fun on a scale of zero to ten we are currently having as Auburn fans. And um, I got to know, I got to think that just being in Auburn right now has got to give you at least a 0.5 to 1 bonus on the fun meter. That's fair. Being in Auburn is, is definitely a bump in the fun meter. Yeah. Um, and uh, the basketball game fun meter and oh. then the, the recruiting fun meter, is, those are positive things. Um, eight and a half, yeah. nine, I, that's where I am right now. I, I, it's pretty good. Mm. Vibes are good. I am happy as an Auburn fan. Yeah, yeah. I will. Since I'm not in Auburn, I'll be about a half a point below that. So eight, seven and a half, eight, something like that. But um, but that's good. Yeah, because we've uh, certainly got good things going on. We're going to get into those in just a little bit. In fact, as Gus Guts once said, we're probably going to have to. We got to get better at celebrating because good stuff is happening. Um, one interesting thing before we get going, I just thought was kind of cool. My daughter pointed this out earlier today. She texted me when she was in her boring study hall uh, during final exam week. And she said, I Googled Auburn, just the word Auburn. I Googled Auburn. And when you Google Auburn, guess what comes up on that main page right there on the right? What? Our logo. 
the AU Wishbone logo comes up along with a couple of other podcasts, a couple other shows, right there on the right side of the page. I thought, how far we've come from me used to be, I used to be um, aggravated that we didn't even come up in podcast searches about Auburn sports, right? So uh, I guess if you're around long enough and consistent enough. Oh, and the funny thing too was that that uh, she told my, my wife, and so Amy went, and was looking at like this list of Auburn podcasts, and it says the average runtime of each one. Oh, you know where this is going. <laughs> it had how many minutes each episode averages. And she goes down the list. Stop me when we get to ours, okay? Because ours was not in the first <laughs> one or two. Stop me when I get to ours. She goes like 27 minutes, 33 minutes, 45 minutes, 88 minutes. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, we give you your money's worth here, you know? We do. We we go above and beyond. We I like to think that we do an entire week worth of shows. We just do them all at once to kind of get it, get it handled. Uh, listen, you could listen to it 44 minutes if you put it on two times speed. Mm. Get that helpful hint. That's right. That's right. Um, so, uh, I guess first... Oh, by the way, we do have a special guest appearance from... Boris the Tiger coming up later. You don't want to miss that. So hang around for Worst Coaches in the World segment. It's going to be preempted tonight by a different segment, mainly just so Jared will have something else to, <laughs> to complain about. <laughs> I can't wait for this. <laughs> He's going to be tweeting like, oh, you couldn't have guess the game because of not enough time. Then you add a new segment of Worst Coaches, and then you preempt that for another new segment. segment with, <laughs> with Boris the Tiger. That's it. That's it. Oh, well, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, basketball. we got to talk about two really good games that felt like the basketball team after the um, – after the unfortunate turn of events at Appalachian State, they really kind of got their act together. The offense has been better. The shooting still wasn't spectacular in either one of these two games, but it was much better than it has been. And um, so they they played. I love this. They went up to the Von Braun Center in Huntsville. And Bruce just said, you know, fans up here, it's a long way away, and, and it's expensive, and it's almost impossible to get tickets in the Auburn Arena. So we wanted to come up here and let the North Alabama fans have a chance to see the team play a home game, basically. And that's what they did against UNC Asheville. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so and I keep it still blows my mind that Huntsville's now like the biggest city by population, depending on how you calculate it and all that. Yeah. Huntsville's become bigger than Birmingham, Mobile, and Montgomery. It used to be fourth. Yeah. Now it's first. That's crazy. Um, but it always has that has had that sort of futuristic looking, you know, high tech reasons for people to come there rather than reasons for people. To, honestly, as much as I love a lot about Birmingham, I've gone there my entire life. Birmingham was my, you know, it was the, it was where we went for anything in Silicaga, obviously, but it always has had that vibe of reasons to leave, you know, rather than reasons to come. But Huntsville's got that sure. kind of up and coming vibe to it. So we played UNC Asheville there. Uh, what did you think about all that impressions and so forth? First, I want to talk about the broadcast before yeah. we talk about the game. ESPN did this thing where they had a split screen and had these podcast guys on there, and they were interviewing people during <laughs> the game. Podcast guys. Point, <laughs> what kind of what idiots are, are those? Yeah. Uh, it's 
Uh, clearly suspect. And then, yeah. but it, they were, it was basically an infomercial for the city of Huntsville. They were interviewing the mayor and the librarian or whatever of the town <laughs> and talking about how great stuff was and when different things happen. And they're doing it while Auburn is playing the game and uh, completely ignoring the game on the floor or yeah. whatever. And that was frustrating as a viewer if you attempted to listen to that. Plus, the camera was somewhere in the very top of the ceiling. And so all mm. the camera angles were the tops of the players' heads mostly. And uh, we've kind of gotten spoiled by the um, by the camera work from arenas like Auburn's Arena, Neville. Um, but, um, yeah, there were various issues with it that, that were not purely optimum at all. Um, but it was a good win. Uh, yes. They I, The game has already kind of receded from my memory, but... It seems like we haven't had to rely on Janai Broom as much the last couple of games. We've had better shooting, better defense. Yeah, and the number one thing about that game was balance. Hmm. Everybody scored, you know, basically. But you know, the, the leading scored like fifteen. Everybody on the like the ten, eleven man deep, including Leor, scored like at least six or seven points. Yeah. So it was very balanced scoring and other people were contributing in other areas, rebounding and other things. So I think that was the first thing is that it was a complete team effort. We didn't just have one guy get hot. Everybody played well and did what they needed to do. And that Auburn, you know, you would see Asheville's a team that we should beat and beat solidly. You know, daily dialed around for a little while, but then the team kind of gradually pulled away. Yeah. And the, and the bell and this is I think a pattern that we see in all of Auburn's games now is the depth gets the other team and there's a part where Auburn has a spurt, yeah, put some distance between us and the other team, and then we just keep them at arm's length by continuing to use the depth on them. Yeah, and that's but also the, I, go, well, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I just that's the same kind of thing we did against USC in the second half too. That's exactly right. Exactly where we're going in the second game, but but also I think in in Indiana too on some mm. level and. I, but also, I think the defense is playing better, too. I think the defense has clearly gotten better over the last few games, Indiana, this game, USC. Um, team defense and um, especially, I think, the but the other part is in both in all of these games, I think our two-point guards are playing very well. They are playing well and making a difference. I'll tell you right now, um, Trey Donaldson has impressed me in the leap he has made. I mean, it really started in the tournament period last year at the end of the season he kind of mm-hmm. went from being tentative and not scoring very much through the or doing very much the entire season to all of a sudden you know in the either the sec or the ncaa tournament he had a game or two where he was one of the dominant players and then he just picked up where he left off there this season and you know aiden holloway is wonderful but he will go on stretches where he does not dumb things, but like inexperienced things. He'll yes. make bad passing choices or make bad shooting choices. And there were times that I was like cheering excitedly that Aiden Holloway was doing something. And there were times I'm like, ooh, I wish we had Trey Donaldson back in there right now. You know, he, mm-hmm. he kind of, he's just very he, uneven. He, and, and Donaldson is definitely the steadying influence. Yeah. I mean, he settles the team down, he executes, and, yeah. and I think he plays great on defense. Um, and really gets the team. And, and, and again, sometimes he's out there that with the second unit. There's not a lot of offensive firepower, but he keeps it going. Did you hear who was saying he was his favorite player? No. Charles Barkley. Okay. Charles said, oh, Trey Donaldson is my guy. He's my bo- he's my man. He said, he's my favorite player on this team. Because he said he was so tough and everything. Yeah. So I really liked that. That was good. 
So we get the win over uh, UNC Asheville. <clears throat> it's always good to beat any team with UNC in the name, regardless of what city they're located in. That's always a good we'll thing. We'll take it. We'll take it for sure. And then uh, a little team from a little town of Los Angeles rolled in, and we were back home for the first time in a while in Neville, in the friendly confines. And um, they had a they had LeBron James's son, Bronny, but they also had actually good players <laughs> and put up a good fight for a while. But like you said, we had a sort of a spurt on them to get we I think we got up to like twenty something at one point in the second half on oh, them. Oh yes. Oh and, yes. And then just sort of like you said, kept kept them at arm's length the rest of the way and fended them off. Like whenever they'd start to make a run and there was the not the not the main uh not Roxy the main guy, but Jay maybe the color commentator. He said, I mean, he kept, I, I mean, maybe he wasn't, but to me as an Auburn guy, he sounded to me like he was rooting for USC the entire game until it, until it was obvious Auburn was going to win, and then all of a sudden he had nice things to say about Auburn. But, um, or when Barkley was on there talking with him. But um, did you hear the Barkley story about Bo, by the way? Did you get to see this game or anything? Okay. So this is worth repeating for anybody that didn't watch this game. So Charles comes out in the second half to spend about 10 minutes yakking with the two announcers. You know, he sits in the middle between them and everything. He was there, and they kept showing him. Then he came over and talked to him. And um, he was talking about, you know, the the arena and everything and, and LeBron James and all very briefly. And then he said um, he was they were, they were getting into one of those just extended going down the rabbit hole things where the, the co- color commentator is the guy that played in the NBA. I can't think of his name. He was like Jay Williams or something. But anyway, uh-huh. he said – he said, he was talking about Barkley's like you're gonna go out with us tonight. Where should we go, right? And Barkley's like, well, he, he was saying that, and Barkley told him like Hamilton's or something they'd go to, and the guy's like, yeah, but I'd get in trouble. I might get arrested or something. And Charles like, no, you won't be with me. You're not gonna get arrested. You won't get any trouble. You can't get arrested in this town when you're with me. Something like that. And he says it's like he said. I said we went to God. I can't remember what he was talking about. He said we they went. He said he was at some event in Auburn, and you had to have these big name badges on. And he said I was with Bo Jackson. And Bo didn't have his name badge on. And said so they walked up and this guard said, excuse me, sir, you have to have a name badge on to get in here or whatever, to be in here. And he said, Bo looked at the guard and said, I'm Bo Jackson. I have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> and Charles is like, yes, you do. <laughs> I thought so that true. was so good. That was so good. That's about the way to sum it up, the diplomatic immunity. So... Um, but anyway, yeah. So they were they were talking for a long time. That was pretty fun. But but yeah, we got up to about a twenty point lead on them, and then they just couldn't. They they make a little run. They get within about. They, in fact, at some points they got down. They got to within like eight or nine. I think that maybe yeah. eight was the closest they got. Yeah. And then we'd extend back out again. So what did you make of that? USC Southern Cal has a lot of talent, right? They have a lot of talented recruits, a lot of guys who may play in the NBA and stuff, and. But they are not nearly as good a basketball team as no. Auburn. No. And they are not nearly as well coached as Auburn. And they do not play a team style of basketball the way Auburn does. Um, and that's why Auburn won going away, not just the home court advantage, but those things. Auburn is a better team. And Southern Cal has some nice individuals. I guess I would say that. Um, yeah. In fact, including what they were saying, maybe the number one. Dr- yeah. Collier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah Collier's on the team, and he may be the number one pick of the draft or be a top five pick for sure. 
And he's an impressive-looking guy. He's a he big, good. strong guard, a very physical. He, he he was explosive and got to the rim a couple times. But, I mean, I, he had, like, whatever, like 14 points and, like, six turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Auburn did a great job defending him and giving him problems and making him work. But also, you know, he you know, was Trey Donaldson and – Aiden Holloway together had like 22 points, 17 assists, and one turnover. Good grief. And so they, like, they, we had much better point guard play. The other, the guy that was really the most dangerous in that team was that Ellis guy, Boogie Ellis, who had played yeah. on Memphis and then transferred there. And he's the guy that killed us last year in this game. And they get, you know, 24 points or something. And he was the one I was more afraid of when he had the ball because he was a very, kind of a cold-hearted assassin when he got his shot and he had a little bit of room he he made it so when he had the ball and he had a little bit of room we were you know you were concerned as an auburn fan mm. but again i think we did a great job defending him we did a great job denying him the ball and the other thing auburn does is just it auburn plays unselfish basketball right they play team basketball and the players you know subjugate themselves to the team and they Again, we don't always do this, but most of the time they run the offense and they get guys good shots and stuff, right? Especially in this game, I think we guys got good shots for the most part, and we should pass the ball and set shots up and stuff. And USC is very much like a, it's your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn kind of team. And it's like one guy goes and gets the ball, and it's his time to go create his own shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Versus Auburn, you know, helping each other and setting it up, setting screens for each other, and and then hitting an open guy to make a basket um, or, you know, hustling back on D- Auburn again and again, hustling back on defense, broom. And we're going to talk about Cardwell in a minute uh, and the guards hustling back, cutting off the guy, making a play on the ball and then turning around, coming back the other way. Cardwell was great in this game. Probably his best game ever as an Auburn player. Oh, yes. Defense and offense. He had so many dunks, like alley-oop dunks and put-back dunks and everything. He was spectacular. Yeah. And he's so—he's like a big version of K.D. Johnson in some ways. He gets all emotional and fired up and screams and hollers, and it's, it just is great. It's great for the crowd. I mean, he's firing the crowd up with his energy. He mm-hmm. That one time when he, you know, he made a big dunk and he came back down the floor of defense, he was slapping the floor to get the t- crowd into it and stuff. Um, but, you know, he plays very hard mm-hmm. when he's on the court, and he had great effort. And I think, again, Auburn, USC wasn't didn't have a lot of height, and I think uh, the, their bigs weren't very skilled. I think sometimes we had a lot. You saw, like just talking with Broom, we would get him behind them, and the our guards would drive in, and we they'd pass it, and he'd get a you know get a dunk. Mm-hmm. And that happened again and again and again with that. Uh, I guess USC's defense, but. He was in the right position, and he made it happen, sometimes through contact, um, and that was a big thing. The other, the annoying thing was the refs were terrible in this game. They multiple times stopped the game to do reviews, oh, and forever. then they would make th- these decisions. I felt like they were trying to come up with a diplomatic answer to sort of a basketball yes. foul, and yeah. they're like, well, you get shots, and you get shots, <laughs> and that's <laughs> what Oprah we're going to do because we can't make a decision and say, like, this is what really happened. Like well, both teams are at fault, so we'll we'll do this. I've never seen that kind of thing multiple times in a game. No, uh, it, it was silly. 
Yeah, that was really bizarre. Especially the second time was absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, I, okay. One thing I want to ask you: one thing that keeps getting remarked about with this team so far this season is the number of assists. What is that all about? Help us out here that aren't as super familiar in the intricacies of basketball. What does it mean that we're having a high level of assists? So, I mean, at assist is at a, at a stat level, an assist means a pass that sets up a basket, right? And so, when you have, if you think about a team, if you have a bunch of assists, that means guys got basket baskets that a lot of them were directly caused by a good pass from a teammate, right? So mm. when you think about those, the the dunks to Dylan Carter are a perfect example. He didn't like, the opposite of an assisted basket is I'm on the wing by myself, I take the ball, I drive by my guy and I go lay it up and nobody else helps me. You know what mm. I'm saying? There's no assist there. But that's a very small percentage of Auburn's shots. It really and Auburn's is. made baskets, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's probably some not made baskets that are the kind of baskets that drive you or me or other people crazy that we're not making that don't fall in this. But a lot of the made baskets are assisted, and I think a lot of it is that. And part of it is that we have good point guards, and they distribute the ball well, and they hit guys in the right space at the right time to make a basket. Like a lot of times we're, especially on a fast break or something, they're making the right pass to the right player at the right moment. And then that player is finishing and then they get the assist. So I think it's when I see that assist number, number one, I always think about assist to turnover ratio. So how many assists are you making versus how many times do your point guard, do you turn the ball over? And that's really a measure to me of like how good your ball handling and your guards are. And Auburn is incredibly high right now, our assist to turnover ratio. And then, but also the assist shows that, the players, not just the point guards, but all the players in the teams are passing the ball and setting each other up to get good shots. So it's not, I think it is a statistic that shows the team is not selfish. Yeah. yeah. That they are supporting each other and enabling each other to be successful. Yeah. That's how it comes across to me too. I just, so, um, yeah, I think that we talked about this a little bit before, but I had just, they, I heard more assist talk. I think what I was saying before that, Part of it is that they miss a lot of the unassisted shots. And now there's there's one aspect of our two-point guards that still bothers me a little bit is that neither one of them really wants to take it to the hole. They're both good at dishing it, and they're both good at longer-range shots, mm-hmm. relatively. But neither one of them is a Jared Harper drive it and just lay it in, drive knife through the defense and lay it in, which is what you've got to have. When the game is on the line and it's close, you've got to have somebody that can take it to the hole and lay it in. And do you see either one of these guys becoming that, or are we just going to have to have some some get around it some other way? I think Aiden can get there. He had a basket early in the game that I'm still not sure how he made, where he drove under the basket and, <laughs> and, and spun it backwards and it came back in. Like I, yes. I still don't understand how he made that shot. No. Um, and so I, I do think he can he can be that kind of player because I think I think they can both beat somebody off the dribble, but I think he has the ability to to get in there and make a shot. Um, but I think you know on the team the player that does that kind of stuff honestly is that KD is probably yeah. the, uh, is the person that goes to the basket and takes con is willing to take whatever the contact is it's to true. get the basket. And sometimes it's foolish, you know, but. 
he is very aggressive in that. And I think a lot of times he catches the defense by surprise and it gets by people and it works. Um, yeah. So I, um, he's the one I think that absolutely is going to do that. But I think, I think Holloway can do it. I think Donaldson can do it, but I think they're not, um, I think that's going to be something to watch. I think we should come back to this, you know, a few games of the SEC yeah. schedule and say, is there any evidence of that happening? You know what's funny, by the way, what you made me think of just then is this has always been, a, been the case with Bruce's teams, but it's especially true this year. You usually know who the point guards are. You usually know who the centers are. The other three spots, I have no idea who plays what other spot. I mean, I know that KD is kind of a shooting guard, kind of, just mainly because of his size. But, I mean, you know, all of our new players, Chad Baker-Mazzara, Denver Jones, all those guys, I have no idea what position any of them play. And it really doesn't even matter. They're it all doesn't just, matter. Yeah, it's just, I mean, they just do their thing. They're the other three well, guys. Because, well, because it really, especially in Bruce's offense, your wings are your kind of forwards, right? And you, the guards are all kind of wings, and they're expected to be around the perimeter. Um the small forward is in that group, and so Chad Baker, Mazzara, Denver Jones, KD are all in that group of players, and even like Leor Berman is playing in that role, and Chris Moore is playing in that role too. But yeah. you know, he's more in there for rebounding and defense and that kind of stuff. And then the power forward, you got Jalen Williams and um, who had Johnson. another big game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, Jalen like Jalen Williams, I think. My hope is that the Indiana game gave him some real confidence and he can continue to carry that forward to play well because he did have another good game. He made some big shots. Especially early in this in the USC mm-hmm. game. And then Denver Jones made a big three-pointer late in the game. There was a moment, like you were talking about, when mm-hmm. Southern Cal cut it to eight or nine and then mm-hmm. he came down and made a big Boom. three-pointer. Yeah. And so I, I feel like... You know, I want him to be a little bit more aggressive, but also I think he was playing defense on Southern Cal's best players a lot too. That's true. So, all right. Well, coming up, we have uh, Alabama State. That was funny. Did you hear the announcer said that weird scheduling thing? How weird is this? The odds are a billion to one that both Auburn and USC's next opponent was Alabama State. Said USC was hanging around and going to play Alabama State on tonight and then go back <laughs> to LA. And uh, Auburn plays Alabama State on Friday. That is weird. I've never heard of that. Especially not like, you know, it's not like it was North Carolina or something. It was, you know, the team. Or even like sometimes it could happen with a conference game if you had a bye day or something. Maybe that could happen. That's just really, I wouldn't have thought. I guess USC, when they scheduled Auburn, they figured, well, we'll be over there. Let's see if there's anybody else over there we can play while we're making that trip. Get our money's worth. Yeah, makes sense. Um, All right, so we've got the – so that's the next uh, basketball game. Friday at 7 Central, 8 Eastern on SEC Network Plus, which means it's going to be one of those iPad games, I'm afraid. Um, All right, we're in the Music City Bowl in just – let's see if this is Monday night, uh, 12 days away, right? So 11 days from Tuesday, uh, December 30th, and I've got – my tickets and I uh, got my parking pass, which was more expensive than the tickets by far. And um, isn't that the way things are these days? And uh, we actually going to play a game there. We're going to play Maryland. Uh, by the way, I did find out that Nashville is getting a Torchy's Tacos, just not like December 30th. So that seems open- a failure on their part. Yeah, it's really disappointing because I could have gone there, but you know, oh well. 
All right, so what do you think about the Music City Bowl? I mean, I'm glad that we're in a bowl. That's that's not a small bowl. That's you know, if you're six no, and six, you're doing good not to be in the Birmingham Bowl. It is. It's a good bowl, and I'm happy we're in it. I think it's going to be a good experience for. Yeah. Uh, I think they they take care of the teams well there. I think teams like playing in it. And I, again, I'm excited to play Maryland because that's a team we hadn't played in 30 years. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. It's it's just an, a different opponent. Finally, I'm just so glad. Yeah. I mean, because when you keep ending up in bowl games against the Big Ten, you know you're probably not going to play Michigan or Ohio State unless you have a really big year or Penn State even maybe. So, and you know there's a few teams that are never going to be there. So you're kind of looking at the same four or five teams every year, and it gets kind of redundant. We've played Wisconsin and Northwestern over and over and over. So it's really going to be kind of nice to play Maryland, uh, a, a, a traditional perennial Big Ten power Maryland of all things. Maryland yeah. ACC team. It's absolutely an ACC. Absolutely, it's like to me this a definition. When you look up ACC, there's a picture of Maryland. Makes no sense at all. But there they are. So, what do you expect to see out of Auburn in this game? So yeah, this is the the first question. We'll talk about Maryland in a minute, but I think we have to start with what kind of Auburn team is going to show up, right? Um, you know, Freeze has been clear; he wants young players to get a lot of the practice time. He wants players to have fun on the bowl trip to see it as a reward. Um, but we also have to think about you know, will Auburn be motivated and who's going to play, right? So we know some players have transferred out. We're going to talk about the transfer portal players a little later. Those guys will not be playing, and then some players are going pro. Marcus Harris is is going pro and not playing, and I suspect you know DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson are going to be in that. But we will we haven't heard definitively, I think. But I, that the suspicion is that they are not going to play. So I think Nehemiah Pritchett has said he's not. Yeah, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me. Because again, I expect all of them to say that in the next day or two. So. Those guys are going to get start getting ready for the you know the, the uh, NFL draft process, and so we're going to have to play, especially in the secondary, younger players. And then we have some already some injuries in the defensive line, and we have to play some younger players there. So it's actually you know kind of a great opportunity for guys who are going to be on the team next year to get a lot of reps in practice over the next two weeks, and then play in a game against a real opponent. The challenge for us as a team is that we're going to play a really good passing team. And we're going to play a bunch of young players in the secondary. Yeah, boy. <laughs> so we're going to find out. Yep. Well, the funny thing, though, is we won't have them to start next season either. So it's not like we're going to be missing them for one game like they're injured. We'll never see them again. They're gone. They're That's done. right. So so we, it, in my mind, this is a, you know, let's throw these guys in the fire and get them some experience and some learning before we have to open up and play some teams next year. And maybe Maryland will have some players not play either. Who knows? I don't. I don't know what they've. I. I am sure they won't. I am positive they won't. Yeah. That 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 will happen. I'm saying. That I'm positive they will have players who miss the game. That it's going to happen to them too. So this is one of those bowl games where the players can be up for it, or they can totally check out. What do you kind of see coming there? I mean, I think Auburn's going to have energy and and be focused and want to play right. But we've also seen Auburn teams have a lot of fun at bowl games and then kind of be like, you know, not completely there for the competitive part. And we've seen the Auburn teams come out laser focused and annihilate a Big Ten team in this game you know, in this bowl, right? Yeah. Um, so I I do think this team, especially coming off the last couple, you know, games, will want to win and will want to have a positive taste in their mouth going forward. 
So I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, Freeze and company will want to get a win so that, you know, we have some continue the positive momentum, you know, theoretically with like end of the season, signing day, transfers, bowl game. Yeah, I think they'll want to have a bowl win to to move well, continue moving in that direction. A winning record for the season would be nice too to build momentum. Amen. Amen. Positive well, outlook. I, I think you have to look at it as, you know, in some ways a little bit like the first game of next year or leading into next year, right? We can build on this for next season. Let's go figure out, you know, yeah. let's go show that what we can do. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. So Maryland went 7-5, and five, only 4-5 and five in the conference, but they won four Big Ten games, which is nothing to sneeze at, I mean, for a team that wasn't dominant. They started out 5-0 and oh and then went 2-5 and five the rest of the way. Yes. So they really, I think they were ranked at that point. They were 5-0, and and then they dropped off a cliff. Now, again, that's because in the second half of their schedule included Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. And yeah. all three of those were uh, three of their five losses. Hmm. Um, but they lost some other games in there, too. They definitely didn't play as well. Um, they, you know, they had some real problems running the ball in the second half of the season. Um, and they're, you know, they have an excellent passing game, you know, uh, Talia uh, Tagovailoa is you know, to his younger brother. He's that's how I say it. Talia Tagovailoa is the starting quarterback. He is the Big Ten's all-time leading passer. Van, get out! No, I would have guessed a hundred players before I guessed him. No, but and I don't know if it's if he played five years because of COVID stuff, and that's why this is. He is, but he is the all-time leading passer. But he's also a guy who, and he's the leading passer in yardage in the Big Ten this year. But he's also a guy who, you know, he'll throw for 300 yards in a game and he'll make a bunch of big plays, but also make a really kind of boneheaded interception or miss an open throw when they need it. So there's some of that in his game, too, that kind of drives fans crazy. Hmm. So I think he's a guy that, you know, is – is going to throw the ball and get yards, but it's also a guy that we can um, cause problems to and potentially get some turnovers. That's really what the game's going to come down to, isn't it? How they can pass against our makeshift put together at the last minute, basically secondary. And can in that scenario too, can we get any pressure on him? Yeah. So he doesn't have all day to throw in that makeshift secondary. Yeah. And in the games they lost, and like in the, again in those games. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State games, they got a lot of pressure on him, and they made him uncomfortable, and they took away completely the Maryland running game. Like, I think in one of those games, Maryland had, like, 25 rushing yards. Well, we can do that. That's right. You take away the rushing game, make them one-dimensional, and then get a little pressure on him and then see what happens. Yeah. So you had a note about their offensive coordinators. At least one of these is familiar with me. I'm not sure about the other one. Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin are the co-OCs, so – you know Kevin Sumlin, who oh, was yeah. at A&M, oh, yeah. and then went to Arizona after that. And, and Gaddis was the Michigan OC a couple years ago, and then he went to Miami and, uh, you know, two years ago. Admitted Miami was terrible on offense, and then he left there and then went to Maryland. So that's just something interesting. I, I uh, you know, they run kind of a spread passing offense, but you've seen Kevin Sumlin stuff before, and the, and it's not the pure kind of you know, Johnny Manziel spread air raid kind of stuff they did, but you'll see some influences of that in this for sure. Well, I remember that guy's pizza place. 
Um, let's see. Um, all right. In other news, the recruiting has been hopping along. We got stuff going on there. With uh, That was one of the things that was going on at the basketball game. This was so awesome. Uh, Perry Thompson and... Um, Cam Coleman and Ryan Williams were there. All three of them were there together. Two of them committed to Auburn. Williams committed to Alabama. But so was Perry Thompson originally. Or he was he was between Auburn mm-hmm. and Alabama. And, of course, um, uh, the other one was committed to uh, – Cam Coleman was committed to Texas A&M. So, they, you know, we got, him, we got him away from somebody, and we're working on Williams. The crowd was chilling, cheering, we want Ryan, we want Ryan. And he was mugging for the camera and everything. That's awesome. That's all positive. If you go through all that and then he still goes to Alabama, it kind of sucks. But – uh, you know, I've said before, with the re- with the receiver class we have coming in, it's already one of our best ever. The only yes. one with more than, if we keep them, it's the only one with more than one five-star receiver in it. Um, if we were able to get Williams as well, this would be the greatest wide receiver recruiting class in Auburn history. No it would question. be the greatest wide receiver class in any school history. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. I just Again, think, I... Wow. I, again, we have... Uh, Cam Coleman. We have Perry Thompson. We have two other receivers committed, yeah. and they're both playing in the Mississippi Alabama All Star game and lighting it up mm-hmm. in that practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Ryan Williams on the same team, and these guys are out there making plays too. So, um, you know, Bryce Kane is one of them, and uh, Simmons is the other one. Those guys are players, and I think they're they're legitimate four star stud wide receivers too. So, you know, I think. Uh, it's exciting. You know, signing day is the twentieth, and there's going to be a lot of excitement, and there's a lot of uh, chatter that there, there might be positive news out there. Uh, Albert is, and I'm going to say this: there's about five or six guys that yeah. we're holding out spots for. A couple of offensive linemen. You know, one is a big a guy that we're going back and forth with, kind of Texas A&M, and probably on. Uh, and then a couple of defensive linemen. Amaris Williams is a four-star who's committed to Florida, and some people think he may flip and come to Auburn. Uh, L.J. McCray is a five-star committed to Florida. We put the full-court pressure on him. K.J. Bolden's a five-star safety. He's committed to Florida State. We got the full-court pressure on him. And then Ryan Williams is the is the five-star receiver you talked about committed to Alabama. And we obviously – he was at the basketball game, and he's, you know uh, – Auburn is interested and Auburn is invested in making a push. Right of those other players, like they're all going to sign this week. Ryan Williams is not going to sign until the February signing date. So mm. we're not going to know. And I, listen, I'm sure Alabama wishes he could sign this week because he reclassified. He's basically you know, age wise a junior in high school, hmm. but he reclassified academically to be a senior so he could graduate and go to college now. Um, so he. Um, can't sign until February, so the the pressure is going to be on. But also, all like the official visits from coaches to his house and his official visits to campus is all going to take place in in January, and then he'll sign in February. Okay. So the other guys, it's it's going to happen in the next you know two days, and there's going to be a tense amount of pressure. I think Albert has you know got a good chance to flip one of those guys at Maris Williams in particular. I think we got a good shot with him. Um, we have a great recruiting class. We're going to get a top 10 recruiting class, and that's going to be incredible. Um, I, my only thing, I just I do want to say this. 
we're going to have a great recruiting class. We're going to finish in the top 10, and it's an incredible job by Freeze and staff. I do not want any Auburn fans to sit around and be disappointed if we don't get Ryan Williams and KJ Bolden and LJ yeah. McCray. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. just think, like, if you do, if we don't get those guys and you're like, oh, man, we blew it. No, 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 no. That is not it. <laughs> nope. We are, you know, we are hauling in a gigantic amount of talent and dramatically upgrading the talent on this roster with this recruiting class. And, you know, we have gone from, you know, not being on the radar to being in it to now being like seriously in it and seriously chance we could flip a you know stud player away from other big time schools so i've i actually have a lot of faith in this coaching staff that they can do that so we'll see um but i i think signing day the 20th is gonna be a very good day for auburn well the recruiting looking really good. And, and and by the way, Gus had a lot of top 10 recruiting classes as well. And and a lot of the, a lot of them worked out, but it just seemed like we talked about this before. A lot of them just didn't pan out. And we just kind of have a feeling that maybe the, the players that are on this recruiting class seem a little more legit. You know what I mean? They're not like four or five stars, but they're just like legit four or five star players that everybody wants. You know, I mean, yes, that's yes. So I don't know. We'll see. But that, that it has a better, it has a stronger foundation to it. It feels like than maybe some we got in the past. I mean, you no, know, I, I mean, I I agree a hundred percent. If their players and Georgia and Alabama and Florida State want them, that's the guys we want. Yes, exactly. Uh, meanwhile. There is action in the transfer portal. Um, the First up, the quarterback situation. Robbie Ashford is transferring away, which I don't think really su- should surprise anybody. He, you know, he has a chance to play. He's a he's a good player. He has things he's very good at, and it just wasn't going to work out here. And so, um, I think the moment I was sure he was going to leave was when he went in for the one play against was it New Mexico State, and he immediately threw the interception. And I just was like, ugh. So he's leaving. But, but also, Freeze came out today and said some nice things about Peyton Thorne, too. Well, that's what I'm getting at, is that Robbie Ashford's leaving, but the other two quarterbacks, apparently, plus Brown, right? Hank Brown. Hank Brown. They're all still there. Gurner, Brown, Thorne. And Freeze, in his press conference, was basically saying, we're going to roll with these guys. We got Walker White coming in. We got Hank Brown in the in the background. We got Holden and and Holden and uh, Peyton, and 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 that's that. And he, he was essentially saying there were two things he said that made a lot of sense to me. One was he said the transfer quarterbacks always do better their second year, and he pointed to Bo Nix among others, the the LSU guy, whoever else. And then number two, he said uh, if you look at the second half of the season, Peyton Thorne was like a top twenty-five quarterback, and I thought he was very effective at times. You know, he kind of struggled in the first few games, but by the middle to late season, he was a he was a weapon. He was certainly running better than Robbie ever was. And and we saw part of the problem was the receivers. Right, yeah. we had receivers that could not get open and couldn't make plays with the ball, and we're bringing in new players who can do that. Yeah, Freeze said when when Peyton Thorne was at Michigan State and had two NFL receivers, he threw for you know, X bajillion yards. He says, we're trying to get him some NFL receivers now. 
<laughs> and that would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be a good thing. Michigan State was like what ten and two or something, eleven and two mm-hmm. when they had a good running back and some decent receivers around Thorne, and and that's what we've got is good running backs. We're trying to get some good receivers around him. So yeah. Um, okay, so that's the transfer portal recruits. Uh, we know what Eugene Asante. Yeah, Eugene Asante coming back. The one player that's leaving, I think we really wanted to keep is Javaris Johnson. Yeah, the wide receiver. And then uh, Austin Osbury is the other guy that's leaving. But I think Javaris, of the players who have left, the one guy that I really wanted to be on next year's team is Javaris Johnson. I think he's a dependable, solid wide receiver. That's true. Didn't one of our defensive linemen either opt out of the bowl or transfer or turn pro or something? Marcus Harris is going pro. Okay. We've had a few defensive linemen enter the portal already. These are just the newest players entering the portal. Okay. Um, let's see. Lots of visits coming up. What do we know about that? I mean, it's this is it. We're well that the uh, we're into the um, dead period now, where there is not supposed to be any contact uh, starting at Sunday night at midnight until uh, January. So it's supposed to be give time players off time to be with their families and um, you know for them to make decisions, but also then so they could spend the holidays with their families without their phone buzzing every five seconds with recruiters booking them. So That seems like a good um, thing. Yeah, so I, I think um, in that sense, we've had a bunch of visits with these key players, and we're obviously scheduling in-home visits with, with Ryan Williams and you know an official campus visit in January. We Auburn actually is scheduled to get the last visit from him of any of the schools, so that's a big thing, we think. Yes. Um, so in that sense, I think we're in really good shape, and a lot of these top players that we wanted were here Sunday. Again, the last contact you could have with anybody is midnight on Sunday, and a lot of these players were in Auburn, you know, Sunday afternoon at the basketball game hanging out. So you have to think, you know, they were in a positive space towards Auburn as we entered this dead period where you can't have contact. That's very good. Very smart. The timing worked out really well, too. Yeah, so, the yeah. timing of, of all of that really, really was good. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. So, um, Anything else about recruiting or portal? No, other than... Wednesday's going to be a day. Keep your phone by. That's it. All right, so we're going to do an extended segment in an upcoming episode about the 2024 schedule, but we have to mention that it it did come out. They actually, ESPN, which has never missed an opportunity to make a two-hour-long event out of a (laughs) five-second anything. It it um, could have been an email. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That meeting could have been an email. Um, They did a show about the releasing of the football schedule, and um, what I mean, you know, the the main takeaway is we do have Oklahoma and Auburn, which we knew already. Um, we know when, um, but we don't play LSU at all, Ole Miss at all, Mississippi State at all, no Florida, no Tennessee. We don't play any home games in October, so it's kind of an odd. And we play away at Georgia and Alabama, so it's a kind of an, a weird schedule. It is, and I think the other thing that would reach out to me is. You know, we we I think there's these games we're used to seeing on there. I mean the Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, obviously, and so you take you take them away and you add Oklahoma. Yeah, it just makes it seem a little weirder, right? I mean, it, there's a very there's and a Missouri kind of yeah. So we have Missouri. There's definitely a Big Twelve vibe to the schedule. Yes, right. I mean yes. Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Texas A&M. So that's a little. I don't know how I feel about that, but a little more Western-oriented schedule than we're used to. Yeah, but I also think I don't know if we traded 
up or like into an easier schedule in any way, you know, because uh, I think Kentucky's solid, right? And yeah. Missouri was pretty darn good this year. Yeah, they so, were. And I, I, I think Oklahoma is you know, as good as LSU is on a year-to-year basis. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. we, we got any kind of easier deal out of this. I think, uh, But I think the difference is a lot of other SEC teams, their schedule is much harder than it has been in the past. So I think while we're like, well, that's not that's a walk in the park. A lot of there's a lot of crying in other parts of the SEC. Florida's is a nightmare, and I'm not crying a dry, a, a crocodile no. tear for the alligators, not a bit. Who, who, who? No, the yeah, I, I made a note the other day that um, our schedule just a few years ago would have had a Pac-10 team, some Southwestern Conference teams, some Big Eight teams. Um, it's just all over the place, and these are like conference games because we've got um, we've got Cal, yes, some, which somebody pointed out is now an ACC game, which is really <laughs> bizarre. When I think the ACC, John, remember, John, when you think the Atlantic Coast Conference, do not think Maryland, think California. That is so dumb. That's like when the Falcons used to be in the NFC West. Um, Logic is not enter the picture. No, no, not with this modern deal. No, um, but it's just a weird schedule. Um, I noticed we don't have any home games in October. Oklahoma, I believe, doesn't play away until the end of October. <laughs> They're at home until like the last week of October, except maybe our game. I think our game is their only away game for two months. It's definitely their first road SEC game. I know that. Yeah, I think it's their only road game until almost November. And the, the other thing that's going to be weird for us, but I think the SEC is doing this intentionally, is you know, we played Georgia on the road. The week before that, we play Oklahoma. And at the same time, Alabama plays, or Georgia plays Alabama, yeah. right? Yes. So we're coming off the Oklahoma game, going to the Georgia game, and they're coming off the. You know, we're coming off the Oklahoma game. They're coming off the Alabama game. We play Georgia, and then we play a we play Bama at the end of the year. We play Texas A and M the week before. Yes, and they play Oklahoma the week before. So that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I think the SEC number is being intentional about trying to have some better games that second to last weekend. Mm-hmm. And they clearly are trying to, you know, not let the teams, you know, kind of get the. Uh, full advantage in my mind of the bye weeks before some of those tougher games. Like, are you sure like Auburn would have really much rather had a bye week in there before Georgia, but they were playing a tough game. So we had to play a tough game too, I guess. Well, we just went through the whole mess of not having Georgia the week before Alabama. And then they turned around and made it LSU. And now they've turned around and made it Texas A&M. So I'm not quite sure. I mean, the point is to have the cupcake before Alabama, not, rotate among the toughest teams in the conference. That doesn't make sense. I, I agree, and I Texas think it's weird they didn't let us or Alabama have the cupcake right before. No, that's true. That's true. With the, you know, SoCon Saturday, which they used to call it some places. So. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll go into more depth on this in the days to come. We just wanted to touch base on it a little bit. Um, so the Kickstarter is over for our new book. We're starting to get some uh, feedbacks. It seems like everything's been positive so far. I haven't had anybody yet say, what kind of crap is this, man? No, everybody <laughs> seems to be uh, be digging it. And I was just saying to John before we went on the air that I feel like this book really has a strong thesis, like a strong storyline that emerged just naturally as it was being put together. 
and honestly, that storyline is that Alabama's been jerks from day one. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be the storyline that emerged, but it really kind of did. That's the that's the takeaway. If you if you want the spoiler takeaway from first time ever, our book about the 1989 Alabama game, it's that from from night from 1893 all the way through 1989, and let's be honest, beyond Alabama, just a big bunch of jerks, and they they that's what they. Um, manifested as in, in every chapter of this book. Every chapter is another indictment on things that Alabama did that built and built and built until their ultimate insult of you can't play your home game where you want to play it. You have to play it where Alabama wants to play it. Your home game, which I I saw a guy on Twitter the other day said, Al- said Auburn whining and crying because they couldn't win a 50-50 game uh, a, a, you know, with a 50-50 split of the crowd in a neutral field and I said it wasn't 50-50 it wasn't a neutral field and we still won plenty you know just that one stretch Um, and it's like it was neutral it was 50-50 I'm like so you tell me you're telling me that Alabama would have no problem no Alabama would not object if Auburn mandated where Alabama got to play one of their home games Alabama would have no problem with Auburn dictating where Alabama played their home game. Is that in any world? Is that true? No, not at all. They they look bananas. They couldn't. Alabama can't conceive of the idea of letting anybody tell them where they're going to play their home game, much less Auburn. And if you think if you have this argument with anybody other than Van, I'm talking about read the book and it will give you the ammunition you need. Yeah. There you go. So that's coming out in a few weeks, and we're hoping we'll get to do a a, a signing uh, event on the Auburn campus to to um, to sign them, sell them for the uh, for folks that show up there. We'll we'll talk more about when and where that's going to be if it does happen. In fact, it's all very much up in the air, but I'm certainly hoping that we can. But I've I've mailed out almost all the books now. The only ones I haven't mailed out are the ones where people haven't given me their address still. And I just can't understand why people won't contact me and say, this is where you need to ship my book I paid for two months ago. It's not on me. I keep trying. Um, We've got to thank the patrons. And that is how our show stays on the air, of course, is people went to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. And they pick, they clicked on the big orange button to become a patron, and um, and uh, that's that way we don't have to do ads other than our ads for our own book and stuff or for the Patreon. So www.auwishbone.com. Here are the fine folks who are currently supporting the show through our Patreon. That includes Samuel Salvatore says tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. With pearl white snow. Amen to that. Uh, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crackham, uh, Logan Chilton. Logan I got distracted by his, uh, by his request here. Um, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Crackham, Logan Chilton says... <laughs> yeah, that's probably the way that's... And has there been any word, John, on our on our coaching staff situation? Like, are we expecting uh, Field Marshal back, or is he toast? I would say we will. Any changes are going to happen will definitely happen after signing day. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's possible something happens between the signing day and the bowl game, or after the bowl game. Um, but I think there will be probably one or two changes. 
I may right. not get to play this very much more often then. May not get to play that very much more often, so i got to get it in while I can. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W.D.E. Sammons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, uh, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. <laughs> if Carol Shelby would have seen the Indiana basketball fan base on Sunday, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. That's for sure. I don't speak Hoosier, but he ain't happy. Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil M. Thor says... No! No! No, I'm devastated! This is what the LeBron James fans were saying. celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! No! No! That was what the Brawny fans were saying. Uh, Richard Stevens. I hope Bronny can get back up on his feet because I've heard he's a quicker picker upper. Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. When Carol wants a Zoe Slaughter jersey for Christmas. What's a Zoe Slaughter jersey? I don't know. Um, help me out, Win. Alex Brown's Auburn Footballs, Elvis. Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob W.D.E. Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster for... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Boris says... Bring back the guest the game. Well, I think it's not Boris saying that. We know somebody's saying it, but it's not Boris. Uh, calibrating my fun meter in the back booth of... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Getting a lot of mileage still. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Bobby, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. Um... Ah, this one is not an actual name. It is just a... I'm going to go with... I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Yeah, we're going to show no mercy. Come, uh... Wednesday. Come Wednesday, it'll be all right. (laughs) Come Wednesday, we'll be taking all your five-star recruits. No one fights like Gaston. Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, pausing the dad jokes to wish the players transferring the best of luck. Thanks and War Eagle. Good deal. Uh, <laughs> Rhodesian Mudflap. That's the new one. I haven't seen that one before. Rich Reimer. Glad we're getting new ones. Rusty Owen, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, WD, Richie Hoping for the Fab Five. Weagle Weagle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 1920s. Hey, hello. <laughs> Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. Boris is here. He's getting ready. He's warming up for his segment that's coming up in just a few moments. Brandon Smith, Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Die Bama is locked in the freezer at... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year, Kevin Mahan, Lutheran Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous daughters! <laughs> Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season, just know I'm still thinking it. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hunt, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, 
Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. A few more patrons left. Uh, there are quite a few more patrons left. Alex Nguyen, hey, you falling up. Barls, Charkley. I saw him at the Gasketball Bame. Ben Amos, Ben Regis. And finally, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, uh, Elizabeth Donald. We to get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, evil HR director at Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. We've pretty much got their entire staff in the patrons now. We're a little overstaffed, probably. Yeah, we are. Uh, I, <laughs> we actually have a patron named I'm John Ringer. Well, we have Boris the Tiger's Burner account. Why not? Everybody's got two accounts on here. I, I appreciate the support. There you go. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, John Stubbs, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rain says for the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. A.K.A. Auburn Dad for life. Probably not the last time. It'll be back again uh, in the spring, in the summer. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. God, the sound quality is just so good on that now. New York Tiger is headed to Nashville. War Eagle. So am I. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Should Boris go to the bowl game? I don't know. He's not going to go in. He doesn't go in stadiums, but he, he might make the trip. He might get him some barbecue. Maybe you could sew one of those tracking chips into him. <laughs> we used to, before those came out, Mira had, a, had her, her monkey, and she used to leave that monkey everywhere. We had to go searching on a monkey hunt every freaking day and when those little tracking things came out i'm like man i'd have had one of those inside that monkey in five seconds if they come out back when she was little oh my gosh um speaking of monkeys i said ruth and darren sutherland right spanky i am at the bottom of this list because God wins it. speaking of monkeys while you can the monkey boy sports illustrated's auburn elvis Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Ah! That's who went to www.auwishbone.com. How about the the uh, the bowl pick'em is going on? Do you have that in front of you? Or do you need me to run through it real quick? I, I do not. Can you do it? Yes, yes. Remember, John is is playing an away game. He is in a foreign location right now. I. Eric Morgan, bless your heart, AU98 picks one. He, I think he's the one that does so well at Formula One and, and beat me out for the championship. I'm not 100% sure. I think it was. He is alone in first place after eight games. Get this, he is 8-0. Oh. How is anybody 8-0? I, I don't know. Some kind of back-to-the-future cheating situation. Yeah, one of those sports almanac things. That's got to be it. He's probably got a hoverboard, too. That's the answer. Well, that's yeah. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five people who have who have who are seven and one. I'll even go through them real quick. That's AU Crazy Train, Trombone Tiger, Reigning Bowl Pick'em Champion Parker Neal, Band Prevent Defense, Amen, and and of course, Smoke Weed Every Day. That's right. There's your top uh, uh, six. Yeah, a one and then two, 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 two. That's your top six. After that, there is a, there is a crap ton of seventh place, including me and including your daughter. And then after all the sevens, John, it jumps to number 30, 
at five and three, and I believe that's where you come in. Yeah, you are five and three. Uh, I'm six and two, and then I was just it's a gonna, long bowl season playing yeah. the comeback game. And then Boris the Tiger, who won two years ago, is currently fifty fourth at three and five, and he's what he's not happy about that. All right, so there's your bowl mania. If you want to see the full results, if you're a patron, go to the Capital One Bowl Mania on ESPN website and sign in. You can still join up and play if you want to, but you can certainly see how it's going. There are sixty one of us currently playing, which is pretty dang awesome, I think. And um, and um, yeah, and uh, so go to www.auwishbone.com. And now, coming up, we have listener questions and around the SEC, but first. Time for my show. Time for my song. Wait, wait, wait. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. This is not acceptable. I want a better setup. Hold on. Hold on. Click that button there, human. This is not acceptable. You did a really crap job with this. All right. Here we go. Cue the music. La, la, la. On the first day of Auburn Christmas, Albie gave to me a brand new football complex. On the second day of Auburn Christmas, my Aubrey gave to me two officially claimed national championships and a brand new football complex. On the third day of Auburn Christmas, Aubrey gave to me three Heisman trophies, two official claimed national championships and a brand new football complex. This is hard. On the fourth day of Auburn Christmas, Aubie gave to me one Final Four, three Heisman trophies, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. What, what, what? On the fifth day of Auburn Christmas, Aubie gave to me five star recruits. One final four, three Heisman trophies, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. On the sixth day of Christmas, Aubie gave to me six Tuberville Iron Bowls, what? Five star recruits. One final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. On the seventh day of Christmas, Aubie gave to me seven rolls of TP6 Tuberville Iron Bowls. What? Five star recruits. One final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. On the eighth day of Auburn Christmas, Aubie gave to me eight chicken fingers, seven rolls of TP6 Tupperville Iron Bowls, what, five star recruits, one final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. 
On the ninth day of Auburn Christmas, all be gave to me nine lemonades, eight chicken fingers, seven rolls of teepee. What are they doing? Six Tupperville iron bowls. What? Five star recruits, one final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. On the tenth day of Auburn Christmas, Aubie gave to me ten Aubie mascot national championships, nine lemonades, eight chicken fingers, seven rolls of teepee, six Tupperville iron bowls, what, five star recruits, one final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, that part's hard, and a brand new football complex, that complex is getting old. On the eleventh day of Auburn Christmas, Aubie gave to me eleven Brody sacks, ten Aubie mascot national championships, nine lemonades, eight chicken fingers with sauce, seven rolls of teepee, six Tupperville iron bowls, what, five star recruits, one final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. <gasps> One more day to go. <sighs> On the twelfth day of Aubie Christmas, Aubie gave to me twelve years of Pat Dye, eleven Brody Sacks, ten Aubie Mascot National Championships, nine Tumors Lemonades, eight Guthrie's Chicken Fingers with Sauce, seven Rolls of Teepee, probably Charmin, six Tupperville Iron Bulls, what? Five star recruits, one final four, three Heismans, two officially claimed national championships, and a brand new football complex. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Boris and Van, that was spectacular. Thank you for doing that. I have to admit that while Boris wrote most of it, it was partially contributed to by Amy and Mira. And I think the one that was really hanging us up was five. And I believe it was my lovely bride that said five. I was thinking of five somethings, right? Like five chicken fingers or whatever. And she said five star recruits. And I went, that even fits the syllables. Wow. So here's to Amy for coming up with, the, with that one. That was like the, to me, that was the key that unlocked the whole thing right it there. It did. So. It's good. It was it's good. Really good. All right. Very good. All right. Let's see. That, that took the place of worst coaches in the world for this week. So now I guess we make the most uh, awkward transition in podcast. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Come on. Come on, man. All right, what do we got in the mailbag this week? All right. First questions from Auburn Elvis, friend of the podcast. Yes. He says, in response to last week's listener uh, mailbag question about the worst loss in Auburn's men's basketball history, I have two submissions. Mm. One is an answer to the question as it was posted. The other which is the most painful to me personally. My answer to the first question is the 2017-18 Auburn's team preseason exhibition loss to the 
Barry Parrots. However, Bruce Pearl coach team gave up 100 points to a Division II squad at home. I'll never know. I guess the jungle just wasn't intimidating in those days as it is today. Wow. But the worst loss to me I saw in person, and no, it wasn't the Virginia Double Dribble Showcase. On February 12, 1983, mm. the Charles Barkley-led Tigers hosted the Kentucky Wildcats in Beardy's Memorial Coliseum. Auburn had defeated Rupp in Arena earlier in the season. Uh, 116 seconds into the game, Barkley was ejected after retaliating from a vicious body block by Kentucky's Charles Hurt that sent Barkley hurling into the press table. Shockingly, Hurt was not ejected, and Auburn had to play the remainder of the contest without their best player. Led by an incredible performance from uh, Daryl Lockhart and Chuck Person, Auburn almost pulled off an incredible upset, but sadly fell 71-69. That cold February night in 83 was Auburn's best chance to defeat Kentucky twice in the same season, a feat mm. which to this day they've yet to accomplish. Wow. And also remains my first lesson in the cruelty and injustice of which college athletics is capable. That's Curse you, Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky, curse you to heck. Yeah, that's good, okay. Auburn. Thank you. That you know, we touched on that in the book, and I remember one of the several things in the Auburn basketball book that emerged from that work that we did was Daryl Lockhart. I didn't know much about him. He was right before, I mean, like a year before I really started focusing on Auburn basketball. I mean, I barely even remember. I remember more my classmates in, in school talking about Barkley than I do you know, remember watching him. I don't know that I ever watched him play a game for Auburn, but he was playing when I was paying attention. I just, they were not on TV, you know. Um, but Lockhart was the guy right before I started paying attention, and it was really interesting to kind of see what he did for Auburn and what he's done since then. That's that's one of the more interesting little side stories we go into in the book. I, it's funny. I was uh, sitting next to another gentleman at the basketball game with Saturday, we were talking about other games, and I asked him what you know some of the more memorable games that he's seen in Auburn history. And he they brought up this exact game that Auburn Elvis is talking about, uh, and uh, Charles Hurt getting into it with Barkley. That wow, that's cool. All right, our next question is from Josh Corbett, who says, uh, John Van Missouri. <laughs> he's looking ahead to the uh, SEC schedule release, and yeah. he says, John Van. Missouri is going on the road to UMass. When did SEC schools start going on the road to G5 schools? Auburn and Kentucky are the only teams with four true road games. Everyone else has four and an, a neutral site or five road games. Alabama only has back-to-back -back home games the first two games by weeks before its toughest opponents. Ole Miss probably has the easiest first four games in the SEC. Mm. Um, he says a few thoughts about Auburn. I think the schedule is manageable. I think the team can be four and zero going to the Oklahoma game, win that one, and you're five and zero on the road against Georgia with a team that believes and knows they can win. Worst case, Auburn is four and two after Georgia going into a bye week. After the bye week, the two road games aren't the hardest uh, games to manage to victory. Vandry at home after those, and worst case, Auburn is six and three with their last bye before the final three games. Monroe and A&M are winnable at home. Auburn could be 7-4 or, at the best-case scenario, 9-2 going into Tuscaloosa. I think a nine-win season is very attainable, and that will be a great year in year two under freeze. I don't know if 9-3 and three gets us into the playoff, but it would be a great thing for recruiting to show the staff for building a program. 
that can compete for championships. I agree. So I like his breakdown of the schedule. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, there was something in there that caught my attention. Uh, where, is, where does Missouri fall? I don't have it in front of me. We we go to Missouri, don't we? Or or do? But we it, have yeah, Missouri? it's after. We I think we have the bye week, and then with the the, the road games are Missouri and Kentucky, kind of back to back, coming out of that after yeah. the Georgia game. Okay, I'll be at the Missouri game if at all possible. All right. Um, our next question: Some frequent uh, question asker Sammy Salvatore, who says, "Hello, guys, War Eagle. Merry Christmas." Isn't it fun watching Auburn basketball play like a team by committee? It's that one or two players. It's a team, and that's dangerous for our opponents. I'm excited to see this team continue to grow one. And isn't it fun watching uh, you know, Alabama lose? <laughs> Amen. Oh, no like doubt. We, us win and Alabama losing in basketball is win, win, yeah. win. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the current climate that we have is that Auburn seems to be on the way up, on the rise, getting better, looking better, playing like a team. Everybody's participating, having fun. Alabama seems to have set themselves up for some some lofty false expectations last year that they don't seem like they're really delivering on so far. Now, you never you never know how things are going to play out over the course of the season, and I'm not trying to jinx anything, but I like where we are right now. Compared to where Alabama is right now, I'll take it. Amen. And our last question comes from Bill Miner. This is a this is a seasonally appropriate question. He says, "What was your best Auburn Christmas gift? Since Christmas is next Monday, what was the most significant Auburn gift you have received in your lives? Is something most of us can relate to? And curious to hear your story, Bill." Mm. Oh man, I'd have needed some extra time to prepare for this one. What's your favorite Auburn gift you've received? I mean, I've gotten a lot of Auburn stuff over the years. I've gotten blankets and and pullovers and hats. And um, I got a light-up neon Auburn football helmet thing that I would have behind me back here if there was a place to put it on the bookcase. I got my little Auburn helmet back there. Um, I don't know. I What's coming to your mind immediately when you think about your, your favorite Auburn gifts you've gotten over the years, John? I was gonna say like I, you know, uh, some family members have given me some nice shirts and other things that I really like that are Auburn related. But I, I've I've finally come across the answer. Uh, my oldest daughter made a. Um, I think I talked about this in the podcast after it happened. She made for me a model of Auburn's campus, basically where she took a the map of campus around the stadium and basically used a laser cutter to cut it into wood, and then she built a a model of the stadium out of wood included on there. So it's like in a it's like in a shadow box, like a wooden in-depth frame. Oh wow. So when you look at it, you can see the the drawn etched outline of the streets around the stadium and then the you know the uh, stadium is kind of built out of wood in the middle of it. Uh, That's awesome. so it's great and I think that was a very cool gift and I'm very thankful for it. It's in my office at work and I look at it every day. Oh yeah. Um, so that that's a good one. Yeah, that that beats anything I could think of for sure. That's um, that's pretty awesome. I yeah, I, my stuff been pretty pretty basic stuff. I don't if I think of anything spectacular, I'll uh, not that I'm complaining. I've appreciated everything I've gotten, but uh, but yeah, I don't think. Right, did somebody ever? Did you ever get like tickets as a gift or? Nah. Um, no. No, I mean the uh, the national championship game. We bought them way back when we played LSU, and just you know. 
I almost sold them, and my <laughs> wife says, you better not. You'll regret it forever, and she was absolutely right. So we went to the game in Arizona. But other than that, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. If something comes to me, I'll, I'll pipe up. All right, that is it for listener questions. All right, well, let's hop in the Obbymobile and fire up the old engine, and let's uh, take a quick... Trip around the FTC. So um, I saw an, yet another ugh, story that uh, one of the headlines was Lane Kiffin is the portal king again. What's going on there? So you're not going to like this, Van. Oh, but Ole Miss is absolutely crushing it in the transfer portal and doing the best of any team. Wow. Now, I think part of what's happening is they're putting all their resources into the portal and not nearly as much into the high school recruiting, right? So their high school recruiting class is going to be okay. Yeah. But on the portal, they have really cleaned up, okay? Let's be clear. They got, I think, uh, Florida State, I think, had a, a good defensive end going to the portal. He's going to Ole Miss. A&M had the... You know, uh, the guy that was one of the top 10 recruits in the country, Walter Nolan, a couple years ago, and a, a five-star defensive end. He's a good SEC player. He went in the portal. I think he's going to Ole Miss. I think there was another A&M player, another lineman that's going to Ole Miss, and I know there was another big wide receiver that's going to Ole Miss. So they are kind of cleaning up in the portal. And mm. um, I, I, But also I think this is what I would say. They are pushing their chips into the pile in, a, in an attempt to be good next year and to win next year. Hmm. Uh, and not a long-term solution, right. right? But a shorter-term solution. Yeah. Do they have a favorable schedule that, like, this would be the optimum time to do that? Would that make yes, sense? Yes, I think they do have a favorable schedule. Okay. I think so they have a – it's not crazy. I think they play Oklahoma State in the non-conference, who's mm-hmm. – yeah, um, but I think they, uh, you know, they have a, a very favorable schedule. They got there's a linebacker from uh, Arkansas that we wanted to uh, Chris Paul on there. Um, and oh then, yeah, uh, I remember him. So they got a couple of Tennessee players, um, and then the the big one is uh, Juice Wells, the you know, one of the best receivers in the conference. Left South Carolina, went in the portal. He went there, so it's. They're getting. They're gonna. They're gonna be another tough, another tough year. But guess what? We don't play them. Not our problem. That's so crazy. Uh, so that they so crazy. beat. They beat some other SEC schools. Sure, it's good for us. Oh yeah, everything that Ole Miss does this year pretty much is good for us because it hurts somebody else. Doesn't hurt us. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I did see you have a note here about Rocket Sanders of Arkansas. Going to South Carolina? I didn't realize that. He did. He he left Arkansas and went to South Carolina. And I, I again, I thought he might go somewhere else, but it, that was kind of surprising to me. Um, so yeah, that seemed like a South lateral Carolina. move at best to me. It did. I, I, I that's exactly my thought. That's the word I thought. I thought if, if he was going to jump up and, and you know go to you know Ohio State or Georgia or something, fine. Yeah. But leaving yeah. Arkansas to go to South Carolina, it's. Again, to me, they're always the two 1992 expansion teams. Absolutely. Oh, that's the one where I said that's like the that's like trading in your your barbe- your your pork barbecue for chicken barbecue. <laughs> that's all he's doing. He's saying I don't want pork today. I want chicken with uh, smoked with my beans and my potato salad and French fries. Um, yeah. So here's the other thing about uh, Ole Miss being good. 
They get Georgia at home. And uh, well, the bad news get, is you get Georgia. The good news is you get them at home. So they play Georgia and Oxford. Um, you know, they play LSU and Oklahoma. Um, so yeah. you know, they could do some damage to some teams. They play Florida, which oh. would be weird. Would be weird and fun. So maybe they could put it. They could be. They play Florida second of the last game. So that'll that'll be. Uh, Florida's last game before Florida State, so they might be the nail in the coffin for Billy Napier. We'll oh, see. yeah, because Florida's going to lose both of those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not good, which is so weird to be so sure about that, but I am. I'm sure. I remember the other Arkansas thing was that there was rumors that um, and that uh, K.J. Jefferson, isn't it, the big quarterback from Arkansas, yeah. he was thinking about he wanted to come to Auburn, and I think that was like the only quarterback I've heard of specifically that was in Auburn's window and I think that's kind of been foreclosed on with Free saying he'd rather have a second year with guys than bring in another first year and get him all up to speed again and go through the whole rigmarole again. Well, and I, I don't think KJ Jefferson is the kind of quarterback Freeze and company are looking for. No, no, he's so. I, he's a slightly more competent TJ Finley to a certain degree. I mean, he's a but also like I think he could be in the right kind of offense. That's more of a more emphasizes the quarterback run, I think he could be really good, right? Mm. But that's not this offense. Not exactly. It's it's different. Yeah, it's, it's not the, yeah. Yeah, I will see if he does end up going anywhere. I'm going to be interested to see if he does go somewhere. So, um, And then you had a note about the first SEC Bowls. Yeah, I mean, just, I, you know, we're in the season where Bowls are started. Bowls started last Saturday, and there's going to be Bowls this week, kind of every yeah. night. There's bowl games going on and there's a bunch of bowl games on saturday but the first sec bowls are not till after christmas so don't uh you know don't get your hopes up about really good quality bowl games until next week the pre-christmas bowls always have the flavor of a thursday night espn game like some directional school versus some other directional i looked i looked at the schedule the one bowl that left out to me this week is I believe uh, Georgia Tech is playing Central Florida in a bowl game. This yes, week. that one I'm very interested in. Absolutely, that's the um, oh uh, what's his oh crap that I was gonna say that's the who was the coach at both that was coach for both of them white haired Irishman George O'Leary that's the yeah. George O'Leary Memorial yeah. Bowl. It's the George O'Leary. George O'Leary. I lied in my resume bowl. Yes. Oh. That's that's Friday night on ESPN at five thirty Central. Oh man, what what day is it? It's Friday night. Friday this coming yeah, Friday night. All right, at five thirty Central on ESPN. So again, it's five thirty Central, six thirty Eastern. Don't, don't walk in and sit at eight PM expecting to see that game. You'll see the end. So, so the twenty second. It's December twenty second, Friday at five thirty. Well, I'll make sure that like we go out to Red Robin or something, and then. Oh, hey, look what's on TV. Let's watch that while we're eating. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, when that game is over, we can do a... uh... This is the Central Florida Golden Knights Report. But this is not the Central Florida Golden Knights Report, but you would get one of those after Friday... And I'll just go ahead and tell you, I absolutely picked Georgia Tech to win that game for one reason, one reason only. It's Gus in a bowl game. That hurts, man. It, you know, and I'm going to get hate mail. Send it to me. I don't care because tell me I'm wrong. 
unless it's Purdue 2018 or the Birmingham Bowl. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. All right. Uh, apparently because no matter how much we want Gus to win, and we do in a bowl game, God wins it! That he doesn't. So there you go. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Get on out of here. I, I'm still blown away by your logic of and then bowl pick him, and, and I'm mad I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, uh, final thoughts are... We're recruiting and signing a lot of good players on Wednesday. Appreciate them all and not just the recent one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point we always make. John has hammered on this point from day one on this show, which is don't overvalue the last second guys over the ones we've had in the bag, hopefully for a long time, because they all play together at their level. You don't, you're not a better player because you waited to the last day to flip or to sign. And so, yeah, be happy and grateful for what we have. Don't feel bad because we didn't get that one other outside shot. I think that's a very, very important thing to bear in mind. And I'm glad that you reminded us of that again. So, that's right. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, we're going to get on out of here and uh, we will see you guys. Um, I guess our next show is not coming on Monday night a week from now because a Monday night a week from now is Christmas Christmas so we'll be recording it Tuesday night the 26th those of you that like to listen to the show on Tuesday you'll probably be checking us out on Wednesday for the next two weeks because the same thing with New Year's alright our time is up we thank you for your War Eagle John War Eagle thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.